Welcome to the Psychosphere. My name is David Sutcliffe, and my guest today, once again, is Angela I. This is the seventh, I think it's the seventh, in our series together. We are recording every two weeks, talking about what's going on in the world, what's going on in our lives, sharing our perspective from a psycho-spiritual point of view, I would say, I guess. We just talk about what we talk about. We're both graduates of the Radical Aliveness Institute of Southern California. We're both somatic practitioners. Angela calls herself a transformational catalyst. I love that. And we do workshops together, and we have a workshop coming up. The Power and Practice of Deep Feeling. The Power and Practice of Deep Feeling. You can go to my website, davidsutcliffe.com, and check that out. It's in San Marcos, Texas, which is just south of Austin, November 18th to 21st. And we've got a good group shaping up to come. So we'd love to have you join us there. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it. Please tell a friend. Spread the word about the psychosphere. And leave us a review or a rating on Apple or, or wherever you, you do that. Leave us a review, a rating. We'd really appreciate it. And uh, in the meantime, please enjoy this episode with Angela I. How are you? I'm good. You're good? Yeah. What's your shirt say? You're wearing a blue shirt. It's a cute shirt. G-Star. What is G-Star? G-Star it's a Ra. brand. Yeah. Oh, G-Star Raw. Okay. It's cute. Thank you. You're cute. Really? Thank you. Yeah. You're very cute. Do you think of yourself as cute? No. Do you think of yourself as attractive? Are you like a hottie? Uh, Yeah. I think I'm, I think I am attractive. Yeah. Where where are you? Are you a a one to 10? Where would you, are you like an eight? Yeah. I would put myself in. I think I thought I'd put you at an eight. What am I? Do you think? What What would you say? Probably eight. Eight nine. I would say nine. I could be a nine. It's mm-hmm. true. Pretty hot. <laughs> Is this what we're doing? Yeah, we're evaluating <laughs> our hotness. It's a Howard Stern show. <laughs> Take off your top. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I just spent the weekend out in the hill country at a tribe ceremony. Oh, right. I guardianed for Tony. It was fun. And and was it your first time guarding, guardianing, guardianing? Guardianing, guardianing. It's a weird word. Uh, for Tony, I guardianed out for Val in Joshua Tree many, many times. Oh, right. You're emptying, emptying purge buckets. Is that basically what the... Well, that's not all the guardians. That's not all you're doing, but it's a lot of emptying purge buckets. I, it was an ayahuasca ceremony for the people who are listening to understand. And people during ayahuasca ceremonies uh, puke into their buckets. Not all of them, but often. And uh, my job was to uh, get their buckets, dump the purge, clean it out, and return them. That was mostly what I did. And uh, it was nice, actually, because uh, I, I don't really feel like doing 
ayahuasca ceremonies right now, drinking ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. So I drank, you know, you drank, drink a little bit as a guardian, just to put you in the field of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you're, you're in the, you know, you're at the ceremony and the music's beautiful and people are having their experience and you're holding space. It was nice to be with Tony and Diana C who, uh, was amazing. Her music is just incredible. And we got to sing together. I got to sing with mm. Diana on the second night, really weird thing happened. I was wondering if Tony was going to ask me to sing some Lakota songs. And the first night he, he didn't I got, you know, I was a little disappointed. Mm-hmm. And then on the second night, a new guy showed up with his wife or girlfriend, older guy, and he looked familiar. And he saw me and he's like, you look familiar. I said, yeah, you look familiar to me too. And we realized we'd met out at Thunder Ranch where I went to the Thunder Ranch is where they hold a Sundance out here an hour uh, east of Austin. And I met him out there when I went out there for a day to, to work in preparation for their Sundance and just met some people just to go check out what was going on out there. And, um, and I met him, we had lunch together and we connected and he gave me the lowdown. And, and so he showed up at the ceremony hmm. and it was really interesting. And I thought, oh, okay, I'm definitely going to be singing Lakota tonight because mm. this was a Lakota guy, Sundancer. And sure enough, Tony comes up and he's like, uh, how would you feel about singing some songs tonight? I'd say, I was like, I feel pretty good about that. So, uh, yeah, I got to sing with Diana. Carr. We sang four songs and she was great. And it was just, we'd never sang together, but it's fun to sing with a woman. Mm. I love singing with you, mm-hmm. but if not you, I'll take Diana. And she, she's, she's dialed in. I mean, she's a professional. So mm-hmm. it was, but it was interesting for me to be in the role of, in that moment, I'm the leader, right? Mm. That this is my right. area specialty, the Lakota song. So I said to her, uh, I'm going to sing four songs. I'm going to sing, I'm going to sing the first song by myself. Then you're going to sing the last three songs with me. And you're going to take the second lead every time. She's like, okay. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, and then we sang together. It was just, it was beautiful. We we're totally in sync, totally in harmony. And, uh, yeah, it was fun. I love to, mm-hmm. I love to sing and it's, I, I could have sang more. I was just getting warmed up, but it was great to have that opportunity. So that was fun. And Diana, my Diana was there and that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'm in love. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Dave, that's big. It's big. No, when it was feels the last very. last time that you were in love? <clears throat> Uh, I mean, I've had amorous feelings. Was it real love? Uh, It's probably been a long time. Mm. I feel like Polly back when I was in my early thirties was the last time I was really in love in a way that felt there felt like there wasn't a lot of weirdness or distortion. It was actually a solid relationship. And there's other times I think I felt love, but looking back, it just felt like it was more eros, as they say, not real heart love or something more shadowy drawing me to the person. 
Mm-hmm. But this feels uh, grounded and sweet and gentle and nurturing and we have fun together and we laugh. We have the same sense of humor <laughs> and we're both nuts in different ways, but we can, we're learning to appreciate <laughs> each other's perspectives, but there's, there's the values are there and there's a, there's a just, yeah. Shared reality, I guess we're oriented we have slightly different orientations, but it's it, it, there's a merging that feels safe. Like I feel seen mm-hmm. and understood. And I think she feels seen and understood, even though we don't agree on everything. There's enough of uh, of an overlap and an, and an appreciation. So mm-hmm. feels nice. She's really kind, gentle, mm-hmm. feminine, smart. She's good. She's good. Good. She's a good person. Mm. It's a good human. So it's, yeah, I felt almost overwhelmed this weekend. You know, ceremony is, it's emotional and the, the medicine, you know, can open up your heart space. So I, I, I could feel like, oh, I'm going to have to like learning to tolerate this feeling. Like, opening up to, I got shy. Oh, like I could feel a place where I wanted to avoid her. <laughs> Why? I, I think I got shy with like my feelings, like my, how much love I was feeling mm. made me feel shy. It's really sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. feels good. It's vulnerable. I yeah, it was like good. I, wa- I feel like I want to be really <clears throat> like gentle with you here, you know? Yeah, well, it evokes a, a gentleness in me. Mm. And being in the role of guardian at a ceremony, and I have a lot of experience, and there's a lot of new people. And so I was in that. excuse me, that gentle, loving, fatherly space all weekend as well. Mm. And then it was really funny. After I sang my songs, there was this guy who came up to me. I was taking a little break by the picnic table and I'd, I'd spoken to him the night before and we started talking about the Comanche and he was into the Comanche and the history of Texas. He's a Texas native. And I've been reading about the history of Texas and empire of the summer moon, which is a great book about the last stand of the Comanche in Texas and where I'm, we're on Comanche territory and I'm singing Lakota songs. And so we started talking about that. And then in the middle of, after I finished my songs the next night, he comes up to me, you know, he's deep in the effect of the medicine sits across the picnic table, stares at me in the eyes, very earnest, very serious, and says, the Comanche recognize you as a king. Whoa. <clears throat> yeah. I like that. I, w- I would like the Comanche to recognize me as a king. Um, <laughs> I said, well, you got that message? He nods his head. 
And obviously I didn't take it seriously, but it was also a message that was coming to me. So I, mm-hmm. I took the, uh, it didn't take it literally, but the idea of being a king and what does that mean to be in your king? And I could feel that there was truth in that. It was t- Maybe it's time for me to step into that king archetype, something I've been resisting. And then we ended up having a conversation about the responsibility of it and, and the idea that you're going to disappoint people and you're not going to be seen. You're not going to be understood. You're not going to be appreciated. Like it's, it's not necessarily an enviable job. It's a hard job. And I've been feeling that what it takes to step all the way into my King, what I have to give up responsibility, that responsibility that I have to take on. So it was really interesting that he sat down and said that to me, Mm. got me thinking about all of that, stepping all the way into my power, giving up my childishness, my selfishness, my arrogance. He also said, you can't be invisible, which I thought was interesting. You can't do it and be invisible. And I didn't know where that came from. I don't know if he was picking up on something. You can't be, meaning you have to step further into the light kind of idea? or Yeah, you, you have to be seen. You have to be out. You have to be seen. You can't, you can't be invisible. You can't hide. Like you, there's a certain profile, I guess you need to have, or, you know, you need to be out. And that was the message that I got on the first night. Well, can I just say that, that, uh, it could also be you, Dave Sutcliffe can't be invisible. Right. Well, I can be. Can you? Maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. But maybe you can tell yourself that. But right. But I don't, yeah. Yeah. Well, the message I got on the first night of the ceremony in the meditation was take more risks. The world is cracking open. Like let yourself go out of control. Trust it. Don't hold back anything. Mm. You, you can't understand the meaning of it. So if you try to control what you're saying or what you're doing, it, it'll keep you small. It'll keep you in the rational mind. Like you have to just move forward, trust your instincts let it all come out, express it all, risk big. Which felt great. Mm-hmm. Felt like permission. Mm-hmm. So that, that message in the first night and then that message on the second night from this guy, yeah, it all landed and thinking about it and feels good. Feels really good. I mean, I'm ready. I did it all. I acted like a kid for 50 years. I I avoided any real responsibility for most of my life. And it's boring to me now. Mm, It's just boring. There's nothing there for me. So it's okay. 
who am I if I really take on the full responsibility of being a man in the world and everything that comes with that and letting go of my childishness, my pettiness, my selfishness, my arrogance, and, and really serve. Well, I want to say that, that it might not all be gone completely, your petty, pettiness, your arrogance, your childishness, that you can serve even if those things come out. For sure. Yeah, I'm not suggesting that I can eradicate those things, but to uh, do my best to keep an eye on them. Mm-hmm. Right. And not indulge them. You know, when my humanity gets the best of me, that's fine. I'll, I'll forgive myself. And yeah, there's the shadow's going to come out. It's inevitable. If you're going to express yourself fully, if you're going to allow yourself to be seen, people are going to see your shadow. You have to be willing to tolerate that. They're going to criticize you. They're going to say you did this wrong or you have this blind spot or you're not getting this or whatever. I think I can handle that or I'm learning to handle it in a mm-hmm. better way. I also didn't sleep at all. At all? <laughs> Barely. Last three, four nights, I'm exhausted. Mm. But uh-uh, I'm excited. Feels good. And this community. It was good to be out in the hill country on this beautiful property, beautiful land. And a lot of newbies, as I said, locals. So they were just blown away. Mm. And, you know, Diana C. is thinking about moving out here. I think she is moving out here. So there's people coming. There's a community forming. Mm. And there's there's others uh, that are that were there last night that are also part of the community from, from LA who are also thinking about coming out. A lot of people. So I, I think, I mean, I don't think Tony's coming out here, but I think more and more are, and I think he's going to be coming out at least a couple of times a year, but there's the opportunity for community to form. People want it. And so that's a, another thing that I can be a part of and help mm-hmm. grow and facilitate just beginning here in Austin. It's just, just the beginning. It's, mm-hmm. it's really like, a, like I said, it's a small town compared to LA and there, there's no cynicism here yet. They're at, they're at that excitement growing, you know, like, I don't know, like a kid in their early twenties where everything's possible and life is wide open and just the fun of that. And, you know, it's going to have to reconcile to all kinds of things down the line, but it'll get there. But right now it's, it's an exciting place to be. Mm. Mm -hmm. Texas, Texas. It's hot. Temperature wise. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. hot. Feels intense sometimes but it's fine but it's gonna get cold right it's gonna get cold not cold but like la not as cold in the evening as la because la's desert but yeah no it cool it cools off and the hill country is beautiful 
It's just beautiful out there. It almost feels a little California-like out there. Not quite as beautiful, but it's rolling hills and trees, and it's it's nice. Mm. It's real pretty. It literally looks like I'm looking at a different person. Really? Yeah. Well, a weekend of ayahuasca will do that, even though I didn't really drink. But just being in the field of it softens you. Well, and also being in love with someone will soften you. I, I, you just look different. Mm. Yeah, being in love will do that. Well, I, maybe that's why I got shy. I'm, it's been so long. I forget what it's like or who I am when I'm in love. And it's different. Mm-hmm. at my age than it was when I was younger. The other weird thing is that the guy I was telling you about from Thunder Ranch, the, the Lakota guy, I mean, he's a white guy, but he's a sun dancer. He reminded me so much of Bruce. Mm. Same age, same kind of vibe, intellectual gentle, wise, and his girlfriend or wife, she's a little bit younger. Her name was, of course, Sarah. Wow. Yeah. What so when you... stuff like that happens, it's, you know, I, those things are always meaningful to me. Those. What, did, what, what meaning did you make from it? I didn't, I didn't take any meaning other than things are flowing. I'm in the flow. I can trust. I'm going to meet the people I need to meet and everything's going to just happen. I don't need to force anything. That's all. Mm. Just an indication of that. And that everything's connected and it's beyond my rational mind. I can just let go and allow, just be with everything and, you know, do your work, do my work, stay focused. Don't let myself get distracted by too much nonsense and be disciplined, all of that but I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to use my will and force anything or make something happen. Just create from a place of ease. Just allow things to unfold. I mean, just even the way I found the the lodge here. So crazy. Met that guy Cheney at a at the uh, some spa. We struck up a conversation, exchanged numbers. I told him that I was looking for a sweat lodge. Next day, he texts me. He's like, "You're not gonna believe this. It's got a message from my friend Eric, who's got a sweat lodge. I haven't heard from him in a year. Mm. He was inviting me." I was like, what? Then I go there. 
it's all paradise dancers from and paradise is the Sundance where I, where I went a couple of years ago. It's Yoshi, my teacher's main Sundance. Mm. There's a connection there. They all knew Yoshi. And then when I went to that lodge, just so happens that chief Marvin was in town from New Mexico. So he poured water, as they say, he ran the lodge and it was, when I was at Paradise, I stayed in Chief Marvin's camp. Chief Marvin is the only chief that I know personally. And he happened to be there the first time I showed up. It was just, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like how right. many how many signs do I need from the, the universe telling me things work out. You get what you want. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. We got you. We're going to give you what you need. And I got the message that, because after I sang, you know, I checked in with the Lakota gods. Is that okay? How was that? You know, did I, did I honor the songs and the traditions? You know, I take that very, very seriously. And the message I got was absolutely, you know, we love what you're doing and you have to pay your respects time to vision quest. Mm. So I think I'm going to vision quest in a month with Eric. Oh, mm-hmm. it's like, you got to go put your time in, you got to earn it. You can sing these songs. Yes, but you have to earn it. You have to keep earning it. So I think I'm going to text him today. Just let him know that I'm wanting Division Quest. And, you know, if it's not too late, it's a month away. I think it's fine. A month is enough time to prepare, I think, and have that conversation. So it's terrifying, of course. Ugh. Four days. Yeah, four days, four nights, no food and water. It's just nothing but you on a blanket. It's a You've lot. You've done it a couple times? I did it. I did a Lakota vision quest once, and then I did a version of a vision quest that was six days of isolation, but it was a, a plant diet. So it was a mix of a, a Native American vision quest and a Shipibo uh, diet, uh, isolation diet. It's kind of a combination. We were allowed to have, excuse me, we were allowed to have water. But the fort, yeah, we were out there four days without food. That was pretty intense. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 no food or water, something about the water that changes it. And there's something about the ceremonial aspect around the Lakota Vision Quest, the prayer ties that you have to make. And then you, um, you create this, you know, the prayer tie, you're surrounded by the prayer ties. There's like four poles. And so you're in this, kind of square area and you can't leave it and you just see you in your blanket for four days. It's, it's tough. You're not comfortable mm-hmm. with the, the isolation. We were allowed a hammock. Hammocks are quite comfortable. So you can really relax in the hammock and ponder and feel cozy, but there's no coziness 
on the vision quest. It's you're uncomfortable for most of the time. Physically uncomfortable. So it's more it's more challenging. And then at the end or at some point you receive a vision? That's the idea. You are there, yeah, to receive a vision. And you, you don't have to do four days, four nights. They, they say, like, if you get the vision, you can come down. But I think if you're gonna, for me, if I'm going to do it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay the duration. But, yeah, I, had a, I definitely had a vision last time. I had a number of visions. But and when you get broken down in that way, you, things are stripped away. There's no distractions, no food, no water. Like you, it, it, It's not really a near-death experience, but it's, it does something to you. And what, what does it do? Um, it puts you in touch with something deeper about the fundamental nature of reality, or at least that's what it did for me in my, in my vision quest. I don't know what it'll, it will do this time. And I don't know exactly what it does for other people, but that's what it did for me. I mean, the mind gets fixated on all kinds of things. You know, your day-to-day stuff you got to do. You're on Twitter, you're working, and you're all the nonsense when none of that's there. And, and, and again, there's nothing to distract you. You're just with your thoughts. And you have to surrender. You have to just give over to the experience. And there's definitely suffering involved. And you have to learn to be with that suffering. And yeah, something about breaking you down. It's the same in our work. I mean, what are we doing? We're breaking people down. We're breaking past their defenses to get to deeper layers of truth about themselves and the world and how they see the world. And and I, I think, I mean, I know the idea... With Sundance, again, this is my interpretation, but based on the things that I've heard, it's it breaks you down in such a way that the only place you have to go is to God. Mm-hmm. So the intention is to deepen your connection with spirit because mm-hmm. there's nothing else to alleviate the suffering. You have to go to God. You have to, you have to give it to God. You have to surrender to something greater. And is that what happens to you? Like, do you feel the place where you're in such a place of suffering that you, you something in you gives over? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Doesn't happen easily. The ego is strong, wants to hold on, wants to control. The mind wants to understand. But at a certain point, just something cracked for me. And I've had that experience in ayahuasca ceremonies. I've had that experience in radical liveness workshops, in sweat lodge. And uh, yeah, it, it, it something cracks, your ego cracks, your... Your identity, self, releases. Not completely, but 
and you gain access to this other realm, this spiritual realm, I guess, for lack of a better word. And you feel, you know, matakiasin, uh, all, all are related. Everything is related. Everything is one thing. There's no separation. You know, not just human beings, but all life, but even more than that, the the rocks and the streams and the trees and the grass and the mountains, and the sun and the moon, all are related. Everything is one thing. And, and to feel into that and to feel the, well, for me, that the, that that's nature, right? And that nature has no preference. So just the isness of it. There's an intelligence, but it just is. It has no agenda. There's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad. There's no light or dark. It's just, there's just is. And you can do with, you can create, you can manifest, you can set your intentions. There's a field of energy, a field of possibilities. It's an intelligent field that you can bring your intention to or pray to uh, make manifest, to create. But the field itself is neutral. It doesn't care about your suffering. And then when you you come into this this place, this realm, then when you say you receive a vision, what does that look like? Is it like a is it like telepathy? Is it like a do you hear something? Do you see something? I I saw things. Yeah. Hmm. I saw, I mean, there's, there's a vision that I had that I'll I keep to myself, but you know, I've written about this. Yeah. I, I saw a, a tunnel and it was the red road. The red road is the path of the Lakota. And, you know, as a white man to go down that path, you feel some, hesitation some reservation i think rightly so there's a history there my people (laughs) killed their people my ancestors killed their ancestors in a brutal way and it's complicated the story's not as simple as that but there's a lot of trauma there and to take that on to, to take on their tradition, to learn their ways. Like I, I feel a real humility and reverence that you have to do it the right way. Like, yeah. And you have to be very aware of your ego. And I, I don't, I don't think you can ever fully eliminate the ego, but you want to approach it Just yeah, very, very humbly, and you want you just want to be careful. So I've gone very slow with it, 
but uh, what was the question? Just if you you said you were you saw your vision, like, right? So yes, so that like, so yeah, looking down this tunnel, the red road. Say okay, if you want to walk this path, you have to be willing to accept that the light and the dark is one thing. There's no separation. Nature has no judgments, no preferences, and does not care or is not concerned with your suffering. Like when I was suffering, I could feel that nature did not care. It was neutral. And that was actually liberating because then I could feel that well, then I can make meaning of it. That's the choice that I have. The choice that I have, the free will that I have, is the meaning that I can make of my suffering. Because I'm going to suffer. You're going to suffer in life. It's inevitable. And you can succumb to resentment and bitterness and anger. Or you can choose to make meaning from it. And obviously making meaning of it is the more powerful choice. And what is the meaning that we want to make? It can be anything. And it's all valid. But I, th I think there is a way to live. I mean, Jordan Peterson talks about that. I mean, he goes to the mythology and that the mythological stories are not, they're not created. They, they come from within us. They're, they're, they're in our DNA. They're part of the collective unconscious. And, and so there is, there's uh, something deep inside us, uh, 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 like a structure that shows us how to, that, that, that we know how to live. We know we know the right way and we 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 feel that and we violate our own conscious consciousness our own conscious we suffer. And do you believe that the right way is different for everyone? I do. Because you need it all. But we should be aware. We shouldn't delude ourselves. Of what? what that, that we shouldn't right rationalize. Of what that right way is for each yeah. person? Yeah. Um, Don't rationalize it. Which is what we all do. We mm -hmm. rationalize. The ego takes control. We want what we want. We're selfish. And then the ego rationalizes, tells us why we deserve it, why we're good, or why that person's bad, or why we believe it. You know, rationalizes the story we tell ourselves. And you know, these stories are archetypal. It's Shakespearean. It's Greek tragedy. Hubris is the killer. 
the ego will uh, lead to your suffering, that you have to surrender your will. You have to give your life to something bigger than you. There is something bigger than you operating here. Some intelligence that's beyond your rational mind. And I think that's what we're seeing now to take it back to the culture. Science is a religion. It's become a religion for people. It's a false god. It's a false god. It's science comes from the rational mind. It's of man. And there's deeper layers of reality. It's, there's it's science is is it's not a it's fine. It's good. It's it's information, but it's science does not reveal absolute truth. It can't. It reveals truth about a certain aspect of reality. But what we know of science is that it's scientists are in charge of it and scientists are fallible. Scientists are subject to their bias. And it's very hard for scientists to overcome their bias despite the scientific process but it's become a religion for people and I understand why but it, I, I said it is it's a false god and I, I, that's what I see happening also in the cultures that's what's happened for me like once you find God once you have that connection once you build that relationship once you feel it inside yourself connects you to some deeper truth and there's a knowing that's deeper than anything that science can determine or conclude for me science is just a tool like the mind is a tool But spirit, the spirit, the soul, whatever you want to call it, that's the thing. I mean, obviously, look around, man. <laughs> like, just look at the world. Look at all the trees and all the animals and the sun and the moon. You're telling me there's not an intelligence in all that in life? It's insane, this world we live in. How did this get created? And yeah, maybe it's an alien intel intelligence and this is all a simulation and that's God. I don't know. But something that's far beyond our intelligence is at work. I, I just don't see how anyone can deny that. That's that's the mystery. Like you have to you have to surrender to the mystery. And the idea that science can explain everything, that 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 is hubris. It's the very definition of hubris. That we can what understand is the everything through of hubris? It's like pride. Pride before the fall. That's where we are. That's what's coming up. And that's what I see on at least on my side more and more people like 
what are doing what I'm doing, which is going to God, finding God in their own way. Thank you, Grandmother Ayahuasca. <laughs> Gracias, Madre Ayahuasca. Gracias. Yeah, she's good. How are you? I mean, I'm good. I, that was very... I, it, it did something to me to just listen to you speak about God about our nature it just is just is yeah and and i i i i don't know i'm you know I'm, i feel like i'm kind of talking out my ass but do you I'm just well no i feel like i understand i i don't know that i always know how to articulate it every time it comes out a little bit different but something's happening something i'm trying to understand something and, and find new ways to articulate it or clearer ways to articulate it but yeah something's happening for me and I think for a lot of people yeah but it does something to you what does it do to you It puts me in a part of myself that is uh, just more accepting. Um, you know, I'm reading Internal Family Systems. Do you know <laughs> that Richard Schwartz? No, I've, I mean I've heard I've heard the name of that book, but he talks about basically he kind of founded a new system dealing with the parts of ourselves, you know, and we have his, in his categories, we have manager parts, we have exiles, the parts that are exiled from us, uh, and then firefighters, um, like there are these protective parts of ourselves, you know, and, and then there is outside of that, the self with a capital S that is kind of the awake awareness place as La Kelly talks about it you know just that there's some part of us that is just aware of all these parts not judging just just with and I had an experience uh, this week of really touching into that part of myself um, that felt so um like strangely easy to get to. The but witness. It, it required all of this uh, experience that I had in the last, I mean, in the last 52 years, but in the last couple, few weeks, you know, like what I've been going through with, with my mom and dad and my sister and, and to really experience, um, the pain of all of that 
Um, yeah, I, I, and then to come into this other part of myself that's, that was, um, not judging any of myself in that place. And like, it, it was such a, it, it was so liberating. It was so, oh my God, this is me. This is not a part. This is me. This is who I am. So last week, um, it was my dad's birthday on September 11th. And I had decided that I was going to call him to wish him a happy birthday, even though we'd had that conversation um, where my mom had said that she didn't want to talk to me if I wasn't going to talk about the vaccine and coronavirus. And, and, um, but I, I still had decided, my dad had said, um, that he wanted to talk with me. Um, but he wanted to be able to talk about everything. So, you know, I just, I just made a decision. I was like, I'm going to call my dad and just wish him happy birthday. Um, that morning, um, my husband is, he, he's going down to Orange County, which is where my parents live, but he's going to return a tent that he can only return at this one store in Orange County. And so he said, you know, I'm, I'm going down there. And he said, I, 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 I might go and visit your mom and dad. And I was surprised. And he said that he was going to think about it. He wasn't sure yet, but you know, that, that's, that, that he was, that was a possibility. So I said, well, you know, don't do anything if you don't want to do it. And he was like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I'll, I'll, I'll only do if I, if I want to, if I feel like I want to. And so then um, that morning he left. That morning I had a phone call with a friend who was asking me, he, he wanted to ask for some advice. Um, he is a teacher in the LA school district. And he hadn't been, he, he had decided not to get vaccinated. But now there's a mandate for the s schools, I, I think in LA, that you have to be vaccinated in order to continue teaching. And so he said he went against something in himself and um, his moral conscience. And he got the vaccine. Um, because, you know, he has a kid and he has a wife and he has a mortgage and, you know, that there's, there's stuff there. And so, um, he felt, you know, he, he had, he had feelings about it and he was going to speak to the board. Um, there was a board meeting that was inviting people to come speak. And so he wanted to ask my about my thoughts on 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 this so we had this call and after the call I was uh, you know I I actually I felt like I'd given him uh, some support some strong support and he felt like he got what he needed from our call and I felt that felt good um but when we hung up I I, I, was, I went into some place in myself and I, I, I couldn't figure out what it was, but it, 
like I got scared. I was, um, I felt really alone. I, I, some, something happened to me and I, I just kind of withdrew inside myself, but not really consciously. So it was only, um, at one point, uh, actually Ferd hadn't left yet. My husband hadn't left yet. He, he was still there because that he, he he had asked me he was like are you okay and i i was surprised by his question and i i said yeah i'm okay why why do you ask and he said i don't know you're just you're really quiet and i burst into tears but not really knowing why and so i just let myself cry for a little while and then i couldn't i i, I didn't I didn't piece together the phone call and my tears and what was happening for myself. But at some point, because I couldn't stop crying, and I asked, you know, for to hold me, and he just, he held me, I felt this place of despair that I haven't gone to in, I don't know, a long, long time, maybe decades, where, and I said to him, this life is too long. And I really meant it. Like I could feel this place in me that was like, I don't want to be here. And I, and, and then I, it started to come to me that this, this friend, you know, and what he, he had to go against himself in order to keep his job. Um, and, and he, you know, and he, he really felt, you know, he felt into the place where he felt the goodness of his decision. So, you know, he got there, which was, you know, I really supported and, um, but for me, you know, like I, when I started to think about if I had to go against my, what was right for me, my moral conscience, or go against, betray some part of me that I felt the place where I would rather die. And I've never felt that before. Like I've never, well, that's not true. I, I, I have, I felt the place where I want to die, <laughs> but almost as a way to not feel something. This was different. It was something else. But if I was in a kind of despair because I didn't, I, I couldn't quite feel what the choice was because what I was aware of was, okay, I have spoken my truth. I've, you know, stood for myself with my parents, with my family, but having to go against a system like in that moment, I felt like I'm not strong enough. I'm, I'm not, I, I don't have whatever that thing will take in order for me to go up against a system. That's what it felt like in that moment. And that's where it felt. I felt the despair, like, like genuine despair. And so Ferd, Ferd left, you know, I, I, he asked if I, he should stay. And I said, no, I, I'm going to be okay. I just, you know, I, I knew that I would, I would get support and whatever I needed. But 
um, this I is was, the scene right before the hero finds their strength, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is this, this where is, this is going? Yeah. So, so he goes, I pull myself together. I'm just doing some, some little chores around the house. And, and then my friend Jenny calls me and she says, Hey, Ange, I was just thinking about you today. Um, I'm just wondering how you're doing. I know it's your dad's birthday. And, you know, she knew everything that's been going on and, and that I was going to call him. And, you know, she was thinking about me. And that brought me into, like, just a kind of, you know, I, her her care and her thoughtfulness really touched me. And so I started to cry again. And, and it, it was the kind of crying that I wouldn't stop. And I just let it come out and, and I cried and I cried. And, and I told her about this despair that I was feeling. And I told her that I had this feeling inside of me that I, I don't think I'm strong enough to live that long. Like I, and that the kind of crying that I felt, the kind of despair I had inside my body, it was a kind of cry that I'd had when I was a child, but you know, I, I wasn't aware of it in that moment. I was just aware that I don't have very many more of these cries inside of me. I can't mm. go to this place very much more. Like, I'm not even sure if I could go there one more time kind of feeling. And, and she, she was just on the call with me. She was quiet, you know, but it was kind of like, I needed to hear her. I needed to hear something from her. And there was so, but I wasn't hearing anything. So then I just said, you know, Jenny, are you, are you there? What's happening for you? And she said, yeah, I'm here. She was like, I'm just, I'm just really like, she was pissed. You know, she was like, I'm mad, you know, and I know that there's no right or wrong here, but your mom is wrong. What she's doing is wrong. And, um, she's, you're, you're her daughter, you know, like, talk to her, like be, you know, just like, this is, there's something off here. And her her anger, I could feel like, I was like, oh, she's, she's carrying some of my anger that I, in this kind of collapsed, despairing place, like I'm not able to carry right now. And I really appreciated it. And it started to, like, I stopped crying immediately. And, um, you know, it just felt good for me to hear her say what she was saying. And so, you know, I told I told her that um, Ferd had been thinking about going to see my parents. And uh, and so she was like, "Oh, I th- that w- that would be really good if he does." And I was like, "I'm not sure he's going to. You know, he'll he'll feel into it." So anyway, we get off the phone, and later on. Um, Ferd calls me and he's, he tells me he's going to go see my parents. And I say, oh, okay. And I, I hadn't called my dad yet to wish him a happy birthday. So I was like, should I call now? And he was like, uh, no, why don't you just wait for, you know, wait a little bit. I said, okay. So we hang up and I'm, you know, I'm a little nervous, you know, I don't know what's going to happen there. And so then I get a text from Jenny saying, hey, do you, do you want company tonight? And, you know, they knew 
that I was by myself. And so her and her husband. And so I say yes. And so I called her and she says, hey, I, I don't know if I overstepped a boundary or not, but after our call, I called Ferd and I told him he should definitely go see your parents, you know, and, and talk to them. <laughs> wow. Jenny. Yeah. Yeah. And Jenny, bold. I, yeah. I I was so touched by that, you know, like it really, it did something to me so deep. And so I could feel that in this place of my deepest despair and the place where I felt like I would rather not be here, you know, than have to face whatever I was going to face, that it was like God had come in, like through my husband and one of my closest friends, you know, like they were standing up for me in a way that I couldn't. And like, I, I literally wouldn't be able to with my parents. I tried, you know, but there was no, there was no give there. And so it was like they came in, you know, and, um, and so then, uh, for, so then they come, Jenny and Matt come to pick me up and we're all in the car. And then I get a call from Ferd and he says, Hey, I'm, I'm with your parents. And I was like, Oh, hi. Hey dad, happy birthday. And he says, oh, you know, I was waiting for your call all day. You, I wasn't sure if you were going to call. And I said, oh, he was like, I know, I'm, 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 putting, the, I'm putting the guilt trip on you. And I, I said, well, I'm going to spread that guilt to Ferd because he told me not to call you until later. <laughs> and so then we start laughing. And I'm, you know, wondering if my mom's there, if she's going to speak. And, um, you know, I have this little light banter with my dad. And then my mom starts to chime in. And I was like, oh, something's happened now. You know, Ferd's talked to them. I don't know what he said, but now my mom's talking. And she says, you know, I'm really glad that Ferd came, you know, like, and I'm really glad that, you know, you're, you're talking to dad and um, you like, it just feels like the best birthday gift he could have had. And Ferd says, well, you know, it would have been even better, Angela, if you would have gotten vaccinated. And everybody bursts into laughter. What? <laughs> what? It was as if in that moment, what I felt like was the evil ancestral spell that had been cast from generations ago. I don't even know. Like, this is just what it felt like to me, that it had been broken in that one moment where Ferd said that, you know, and we all laughed. And it was like, okay, the, here we are. You know, I, I'm not vaccinated. They are. They, you know, that's like, and we're all laughing together. Mm-hmm. So then later on, Ferd came and, you know, he told us the story of what happened and how um, my mom and dad, you know, like they, they wanted, they fed him, they, they, you know, fed him Chinese beef noodles and like dessert and the whole thing. And then Ferd said, okay, let's get into it. Let's, let's talk about this. And 
he said, you know, that my parents were, you know, they have a very kind of rigid view of, of what, what this is. Um, and they, they don't understand. They didn't understand. They were like, why can't you just tell Angela to, to get, get the vaccine? Why don't you just tell her? And he said, you know, for, you know, like just, you have to picture the scene. Okay. He's riding up on his gigantic motorcycle with his gigantic motorcycle hat and gigantic motorcycle jacket, you know, into their Orange County home, you know, and they're watching him pull up. Right. And he says, you know, Angela and I, that's not the way our marriage works. We don't, we don't tell each other what to do. Angela hasn't in the last 25 years ever told me not to ride my motorcycle. And that is a pretty risky thing to do, according to some people. And I don't tell her what to do. We, we talk about what we want and what, you know, what, what feels good for us. And we support each other, you know, and, and that's what we do. And, you know, my parent, he did, he said that, you know, he doesn't know if my parents understood it, <laughs> but they listened, you know, they, they listened and, and, you know, he, he explained some things and he, you know, tried to convince them of some things, but it wasn't really taking. But what he said was that what he thinks that was appreciated was that they were, that he was there and that he was willing to talk to them about it. And, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it might take a few times, you know, he said that it might be uh, some more times of him going down there by himself and just being with them, you know, and letting them feel him and, and get to know me maybe more through him, which I'm so grateful for, you know, like there, there's some way in which I, I mean, it's like I, I chose so well, my husband, you know? Yeah. Wow. And, Ferg, and the way that, the yeah, mm-hmm. that he could unite us in, 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 in this way. I mean, I wouldn't say that, you know, I don't know, like, if everything's healed, you know, like there's, I mean, my mom said some things, but I'm not sure where we're at. Um. But the thing that I was going to say in terms of the parts, you know, there's still this this young part of me um, that I had felt this past week that um, still wants so desperately for my parents to understand. You know, there's still that part of me, you know, and that um, and that I'm sad that they don't and that they probably won't ever understand. Um, and so I have, I have a uh, judgment of that part of myself, you know, that I'd sent in that conversation that Ferd had with my parents, he told them that for my sister's 50th birthday, I'd written a song for her. Um, and, and so they said, my dad said, Oh, yeah, send it to us, you know, so I sent it to them, and uh, my dad responded, but my mom did not respond. 
And in that moment, I was feeling that sadness. It was like the, the sadness of a little girl who wants her mom to respond, you know, and that I, I have judgment, like I should be, I should be over this, you know, Angela, you're 52 years old, you know, like, come on. And so in this IFS work, the internal family systems work, you know, I was, I was trying to get clear on this part, this part of me that was sad, this part of, and the, this part of me that was judging the part that was sad. And so, um, I asked the judge if, if she would stand aside so I could just feel this part of me. And I, I started to feel, you know, like how disappointed she was that my mom didn't respond and, um, how disappointed I have felt in all the times that she hasn't responded. And as I started to like feel that and really feel all the way through that place, on the other side of that, I could also feel, oh, this is the part of me that holds the love that I have for my mother. It was right, you know, it's right under, and I could feel, feel that, you know, it was like, whoa, I. You mean when you feel into the disappointment, when you allow yourself to feel the the pain of your mother not responding. That little girl. That little girl. I could also. allow yourself to be with it, then you can feel your love for your mother. Yeah, I could feel the little girl's love for her mother. Mm, Right, right, of course, of course. And I could feel how. I didn't want to lose that part of me. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I need this part of me. I mm-hmm. want this part of me. I want to feel that little girl's love for my mother. And I want, I want to have that. I think it's important. And in that place where I was saying... It's your innocence. Yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But in the place where I could feel... I love this part of myself. I want to keep this part of myself. I I suddenly was aware. I was like, oh, what what part is that that's loving this part of myself? And that's the place I could feel like, that's me. That's that's the self with a capital S. Right. That's the part of me. That's that's not a part. That's that's me just being with all of it. God. Yeah. In other words, in another word, yeah. 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 So we both found God <laughs> in our own way. Mm-hmm. And it goes through pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. You had to face your greatest fear to and speak to your truth. Deepest despair. Yeah. You speak your truth to your mother. She rejects you. Then you go all the way into your despair. Then the angels, Jenny and Ferd, your guides, your helpers, step in and help you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I talked to my therapist about this Mm -hmm. and what he said was in that place of my despair he said I I think it was the little girl's despair and I was I was feeling like 
it's this despair of the world. Like, um, I can't, I can't go up against a system, me, Angela. Like, right. I, I, I can't do that alone. Family system. A family system. But even if, like, you know, like my friend had to face the No, but it's, I'm saying it's all the same thing. Right, right, yeah. Family system gets projected out into the, the larger system. I can't go up against the system as I can't go up against my family. That's the system. And what he was, what, what my therapist was saying is that when you're a little girl, the world is your mom. Yeah. And I, you know, how much I gave over to her. I, I gave up myself to do what she wanted. And in that place, I experienced despair. And it's not just the despair of not doing what my mother wanted me to do or, or doing of not just the despair of doing what my mom wanted me to do and giving up myself, but it's, it's in that I'm having this pain and I'm experiencing it alone. There's nobody else yeah. there in yeah. that place. And so in my childhood, when I would face my mother in those times where I would have to go up against her, my dad and my sister were not with me. Mm. They had, you know, in their way, they, they were doing what they needed to do, but they weren't with me. But in this experience, I had my father and my sister, Ferd and Jenny. Ah. Sticking up for me. Right. They were saying, yeah, they were saying, Angela, go ahead. You, you be who you are, you know, do, do Mm. what you need to do. And we will be here with you. We'll stick up for you. And that's what didn't happen. And so I had, he called it a reparative experience. Yeah. And explain this science. Huh? Huh? (laughs) And he said, which what my therapist said, (laughs) yeah, it's miraculous. Exactly. And he, he said, Angela, it's not that you've, this life is too long. It's not, this life is not too long. It's that you have lived long enough that you have come it like he said it takes a while for for us to get out of the machinery and then start to see the miraculous things that are happening all around us and i was so grateful that he said that <laughs> because i was like oh i've lived long enough okay I want to see some more miracles happen. All right, I'm sticking around. Ferd had a tent he could only return in Orange County. Yeah. Well, it was either Orange County or Ontario. And he... Well, yeah. (laughs) Just, you know, the details. Right. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. fascinating. Mm -hmm. Wow. So how do you feel? You know, it's it's so interesting because there's still, you know, I, I still can go into the place where I'm alone, right? But, you know, my therapist was saying, Angela, go take in that reparative experience. 
take it in. You're not alone in that despair. You're not alone in that pain, you know, like, and that, that I, I did have this, these, these angels come in. And so it's like, I have to remember, you know, and to really feel that. And when I do, then I feel like, oh, I can be in the truth of myself. I can be, uh, I can, I can be myself in this world. And there are going to be people who are going to, you know, shame me or, or leave or reject me in some way, you know, and it's, it's like, I really can feel like, but, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to be alone. There's going to be other people that come in that, that come in to help. And yeah. And that when you're true to yourself, when you speak your truth, when you miracles happen. Yeah. Like miracles mir- like happen. this whole thing. I mean, I said, I think I, we talked about it in the last podcast, like this is going to help your family. Like what you're doing it's for, you know, you're following something inside yourself and it's, it's of service to something and you trust it. And I trust you. And it seems like that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. And if you stay with yourself, you commit to that, commit to that truth. Miracles will happen because the truth is that, you know, truth is the light and it opens something up and it may take us to the, center of our despair or hopelessness or pain. But on the other side of that, things open up and the energy opens up and something there's a coherence and the intent, the intelligence is then activated and felt and then things conspire in mysterious ways to wholeness to to manifest wholeness so i am feeling it right now in what you're Mm -hmm. saying does that make sense Mm -hmm. it makes me also think of something that um i i was speaking to richard kwan who Mm -hmm. i think you just interviewed yeah yeah um and he we were talking about ancestors and how, um, you know, he's an acupuncturist, he studies Chinese medicine, and that he believes that our re- relationship with our, the health of our relationship with our parents directly correlates to the health of our bodies. And he was saying that, that in Chinese medicine, you know, you look at you're not just looking at your parents and you, you where you are right now and going forward. You're also looking backwards. It's a, it's a circle. So you're looking at your lineage, your, your ancestry. And um, we had a whole conversation about it. But what he, he said that, that really, I don't know, it did something to me. He said, your ancestors, all, they, they're waiting 
They're waiting to, they're, they're watching and they're there at hand, ready to help in whatever ways they can. And that there was something about that that felt like, oh, maybe this is part of the, the miracle. Like maybe they were part of uh, creating all of this to happen so that we could have more union as a family. Mm. I don't know. I like the idea of that. Yeah. I just, I haven't had much contact with my ancestors. Don't some people think like when we heal ourselves, we, we heal, it, it goes back in time or mm-hmm. I guess time doesn't exist in that realm, but we heal our ancestors. Yeah, we exactly. Hear our own, we, heal, we heal ourselves. We heal our ancestral trauma. We heal our ancestors, the whole, the whole line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I like that idea. I like that idea too. It liberates them from whatever purgatory they may be in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good work, Angela. I'm, mm. I hope Thank they you. reward you. I think they are. Are they? I mean, I think, yeah, I, I feel them strongly now. What do you, what would you like as a reward? Because I feel your ancestors. It's like, what do you want? We'll give you anything you want. Anything. Well, that is so wild because when Richard Kwan was talking about ancestors, he said that sometimes he goes into and he's able to channel his own ancestors. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, I was like, oh, well, can you channel my ancestors? Because, you know, I was thinking about what you asked in the last podcast, you know, what, 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 what are your ancestors saying to to you? Mm. And so I was curious to know if Richard could channel my ancestors. And what he said, he was like, oh yeah. He said, your ancestors just want to know what you want. Wow. <laughs> they want to know what you want. And they, when you know what you want, they'll want to help you get it. <laughs> what do you want? And I want—I don't want to hear any bullshit like world peace. Okay, I want to hear Maserati, <laughs> ten million dollar home. Your ancestors are like game. They're like, well, let's do it. What I do you know, want? It's weird. Think it's big, weird girl. to ask for this. I want a house. Yeah. In a a beautiful place where I, you know, it feels good. I'm. I, where? I'm not sure. Texas. <laughs> Hill country is real nice. Well, I'll check it out when I'm there in November. Right. But yeah, I I don't know. I know that wherever I've been, wherever I've lived before, I've been guided. So I feel like I'm going to be guided. Right. And so maybe my ancestors, yeah, I would like my ancestors to guide me. Mm. Where where do you want me to live? Where, where, where? Where do I want to live? But also, I just, yeah, I want some guidance. I wasn't planning to come to L.A. I got guidance. Mm. And I listened. Right. And so I kind of feel the same Hmm. here. I mean, even if it means I'm I'm still here in L.A., but where? 
Mm-hmm. You want a house. Mm-hmm. Any details? I want to hear about the house that your ancestors are going to help you with. I mean, when I see this house, I, I just, the, the backyard is very important to me. Mm-hmm. It's like there's trees and there's a space for a fire pit. And, you know, like, I, I don't know why I want a teepee. Want a teepee? <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I've always seen a teepee in my backyard. That's interesting. And a, and a labyrinth. It's a big backyard, you know? Those are the things that I, I maybe is a Is it garden. a backyard or is it land? It might be land. It might be land. I was on 23 acres this weekend. It's pretty sweet. Mm. Really sweet, yeah. Hmm. 23 acres is nice. Mm. Just saying, I just okay. feel your ancestor, maybe it's my ancestors, just. Right. Don't be afraid to think big, girl. Whoa. We got that's, we can make a lot happen. Don't That's so interesting. I I pulled a another oracle card before us. You did? When what, what does it say? Can you see? Dare to dare to dream. Yeah. That's right. Dare to dream. And it the the, the card the the reading actually says dream big. Mhm. Right? Yeah. I, that's the part of the ceremony they sang in, the ancestral part of the ceremony. After mm. second sip, Tony always does a something for the ancestors. So that's what he, the part that he asked me to sing. Mm. It was nice. We honored Leonard Crowdog, who passed. Chief Crowdog. He passed a while ago, but mm. his honoring, we'll be honoring him for a long time. Do you have contact with your ancestors? Well, you know, I went to that uh, George Hunter workshop years ago, mm-hmm. Bloodline Healing, mm-hmm. and it was in Hawaii. Must have been 10 years ago. And uh, he asked us before the workshop to uh, go back in our family tree as much as we, we could. So that was an interesting experience because I had to call my mom and call my dad and find out the whole family line as much as they knew. And they both knew more than I thought. And yeah, we, we called them in. We called them in. Ask the first step was to ask one of your somebody to be a guide, and mine intuitively was my paternal grandmother, who I never met. Hmm. I mean, I guess I did meet her when I was a baby, but she died shortly after that. So, and she was my my guide, and she was a no nonsense kind of woman, and. Uh, yeah, I remember I did a process around the men on my mother's side. And there was this, they were all alcoholic. They were all sad. 
I come from a family that, where the women are very dominant mm. and they were slightly emasculated and very much stuck in a gender role. And I'm, as a man, really more aligned with the women in my family on my mother's side. Like I have more of their qualities. So the I, I can't remember exactly what happened, but there's some some conflict there that was within me. I, I remember the I just remember the men on my father's side were there and there was some dark energy that I had to confront. And maybe it was that aspect of me that uh, had shame and maybe the aspect of me that felt some kind of disdain for the feminine, maybe the feminine in me. Like just the idea that I'm more like the women on my mother's side. That That's a lot. It's <laughs> a lot to digest, <laughs> you know, uh, but it's true. It's true. They're very outspoken and gregarious and opinionated and narcissistic. And I have all of those qualities. And they're also filled with life and love and creativity and joy. And, you know, they're the life of the party. My grandmother, my mother, they're exuberant and they have tremendous love of people. They just love people and it's genuine. It's not put on. It's fascinated. And I have that. But I don't really, you know, I was thinking about, yeah, I was thinking about it last night. I mean, it comes up in ayahuasca ceremonies all the time. You know, I, maybe that's a place I have to look deeper, like my relationship with my ancestors. And I, I think in some way I've rejected my family. Like I've separated myself. Because family to me has been, it's just a source of pain. Mm. Mm -hmm. it's just family and it's probably why I stayed out of a relationship for so long it's like relationship equals pain suffering it's fuck that turmoil but maybe yeah maybe it's a place I need to think about explore write about mm -hmm. contemplate I don't know I don't want to look at it. Why? I don't know. Like I, I want to put it behind me. Maybe that, that maybe that's part of the responsibility that I have to take on. That there's some, I have to own the totality of who I am. I can't run from my ancestors. I can't separate myself from them. I have to accept, embrace, love. Like, this is who I am. These are my people. This is where I'm from. This is who I am. Maybe I have shame about my family. I think mm -hmm. I do. I, mean, I went to Catholic school, and it was just me and one other girl who were divorced. The kids were divorced. There's a lot of shame in that. Mm -hmm. I think I have a lot of shame about my family. That I don't want to. So I think there's a place I don't want to look at it. I've been running away from it. 
what were the men in your family? What are the men in your family like? A lot of alcoholism on both sides. The men, my maternal grandfather died when my mother was six from, I think, cirrhosis of the liver, basically hard living. He was a drinker and a smoker and pretty heavy with it. So there's a lot of alcoholism. A lot of sadness disconnected from themselves mm. I think that's um my dad's side as well there's a lot of I mean they're all good people I mean my, my dad's family's you know they're they're beautiful beautiful people it's like the loving warm family but there's there's a lot of sadness there as well I mean people were just trying to survive Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been talking about this with my Fortify, your soul group. We're just coming out of survival mode as a species. I mean, obviously not all of us are out of it, but we're in the West. Most of us are basically out of it. We're not fighting for our survival. I mean, there's no time for psychotherapy or evaluation or anything, any of that previously. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and so we're just at the beginning of understanding all of this it's this is part of the the evolution that's going on so they could they didn't know any better they didn't they, it's fine everything's fine they didn't know any better they're doing the best they could at the time and now we're here and that is our work, what you did, you know, you're, you're facing all this stuff. It, I, I do think it's a, it's a form of exploration, you know, the, the, the inner space, you know, people are going into outer space. We're going into inner space, the unexplored territory, territory of our psyches. And it's scary. And there's a lot to discover, a lot to discover. And we have not discovered all of it. So I think that's part of what's happening. I don't know. I feel I feel so exhausted. I have I have no idea if I'm coherent. I can't like track my thoughts right now. I'm like, what did I just say? No, it's a good thing. 30 seconds ago. Yeah. It's um, good. Well, what I know is that there's more to face. I'm going to be asked to face it. necessary for my growth it's necessary for where I want to go to next it's necessary for me to step all the way into my king and I am being guided clearly and if I follow that everything will unfold but the process of facing it is you know it's not fun Vision Quest isn't going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to suck. But yeah, and I mean, and not, and not. I mean, that's, that's the, you know, the part of me that craves comfort. It's just like, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's four days. But there's days. another part of you that also, I think this is fun for you. It is fun for me. And, and, and I know how much I got out of it the last time. And, 
and it's it, it it is. I have to pay my respects to the Lakota gods. It's really mm-hmm. simple. If you want to follow this path, you got to pay your respects. Mm-hmm. That's it. You want to mm-hmm. sing our songs. You want to be a leader. You want to like. You want to hold. You want to be a pipe carrier. Like it's beautiful. We 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 would love to have you. Mm-hmm. We want you to carry the traditions. We want you to teach people these songs. We want you to sing these songs proudly and. But you have to you have to pay your respects. You have to earn it and you have to continue to earn it. And I'm I'm willing. It's worth it. Come on, man. Singing songs, it's it's awesome. It's a beautiful thing to carry that medicine. And I, I feel my mastery. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, thinking about the songs that I wanted to sing and that I'm running through them in my head. How am I going to drum? What about this part? Do I want to drum it this way, that way? I'm just like, dude, forget it. Just drop it in the moment and let yourself go. And of course I did, and it was great. I don't have to think about it. They're in me. And I can just let them come out. And I'm communicating something. Um, um, I, like I'm proud of the way I've showed up. But there's more. There's more. There's more work. There's more suffering. There's, more. there's And there's only one way to get to the truth. There's only one way. You had to feel the depth of your despair. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no escape from that to get to where you are. I mean, you you said you look at me and I feel totally different. I feel the same way about you. You seem so soft and gentle and mm-hmm. wise. And the story you told was so beautiful and clear. But you had to feel your despair to get there. Mm-hmm. The hopelessness, the pain and... And uh, I do too. And it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing. There's beauty in it. Yeah. In summary. Um, there's still some part of me that wants to... Uh, correct something that I'd said in the last podcast about my grandfathers Mm -hmm. Um, that I had said this thing about Chiang Kai-shek leading the army uh, that was trying to gain freedom for Taiwan but that's actually incorrect they were in China Chiang Kai-shek was in China and I think they were, I don't know exactly, no, I should have read, <laughs> read up, but what they were, what they were fighting for was their freedom. But in the process of that, they got ousted. They got ousted to Taiwan. Mm. And, and then they were fighting for Taiwan to be a separate nation from, from China. So... 
That's how I heard what you said. Isn't that you what did? you said? No, I said I was fighting for Taiwan's independence, but it wasn't for Taiwan's independence. It was for their own independence. Mm. And then they got they got kicked out. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Details. It's important. Details. But and yeah, maybe the you essence know, is the same, I think, right? The, the essence is the same and it when I when I when I realized the truth of that, it made me scared <laughs> because I just thought, oh, are the unvaccinated going to get kicked out? Um, yeah, of course. And we will have to keep fighting. Yeah, I think I think I think so. But we're going to win. I mean, like you said, you're willing to die for it. So am I. It's not even a question. Like, you you better be willing to kill me. How badly you, do you want me to get vaxxed? It's not about the vaxa- vaccination, man. No. It's It's about something much deeper. It's being revealed. If you can't see it, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it's soft authoritarianism authoritarianism everywhere you fucking look. (laughs) Natural immunity is a banned hashtag on Instagram. What, What? How did they? I don't understand. Natural immunity is a banned hashtag on Instagram because there's misinformation. They, it, they, so you can't, you, you can't, can't put you hashtag can't, now. No, you can do it. It won't. You can click on the hashtag and it won't let you see anything. Gives you a little message. It's a mm. scam, man. I'm not saying the whole everything's a scam. I'm just saying they're lying. What are they protecting? What's the lie about? What the fuck is going on? And I'm not having it. I got a, you know, I made a video this week about natural immunity and you know if you have natural immunity why do you have to get a vaccine passport why what why don't they have um why aren't they exempt and i went on you know theorizing this is about power and control and it's an old system dying and they want to make sure that we know we're under their thumb and and this is what happens when systems are dying and they're losing control they get desperate and they they hold on and but the light will win don't worry people the light will win it was positive but you know i got a message from an old friend somebody i love dear to me who i get very sad when i see your videos about the vaccine and we got vaccinated not for us but for our children because they can get sick and you should get vaccinated for you know my friend stage four cancer and you know for those with who are not healthy you know it's just like jesus christ hmm. another friend <laughs> and i just and, you know i mean she was really sweet about it hmm. but it, it's, it's 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 not about the vaccine i don't know how to explain that to you something bigger there's a spiritual war being fought it's being played out in this 
through this vaccine, through this quote-unquote pandemic. And uh, we must resist. Have to. I mean, you don't have to. I don't care what I I am. Mm. I'm all in. I see it. I see it clearly. I trust it. Trust myself here. Nicki Minaj, man. We just got Nicki Minaj on our team. What's up? Nikki sees it. She's like, you can't, you're not allowed to ask questions. Just asking questions. They want to censor me for asking questions. It's like, that's, that's a good point. Why aren't you allowed to ask questions? You cannot doubt what we say. You must believe. You must submit. That's authoritarianism. That's what it is. So if you can't see that, I don't know what to tell you. Must be fought. It's evil. It's an evil force. We must fight for our freedom. God is on our side. They're godless people. They are godless they people. They are godless people. They are godless. They are godless people. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. I don't know if I, I believe that. Who do they worship? God or science or money or status or power? Okay, but if if nature just is yeah then they just are yeah they just are yeah yeah, yeah. they're they're part of god yeah for sure but they're godless they're not connected to god they're 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 distorted express that's what evil is right evil animates in the place where there's the light doesn't come in where you're not surrendered to god corrupts co-ops through the ego through fear, through the desire to control, and it rationalizes, creates a story that they are the good ones, points the finger at those who are with, in the light, as the evil. It's all inverted. But aren't we all? Yeah. In some way? Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes it is a fight, you know, that this is, yeah, it's fine. They're playing their role, for sure. But I am playing yours. Yeah, I'm playing mine. And yeah. you know, I'm I, I'm you know. Yeah, I'm playing mine. It's game on. It's game on, bitches. You really want this? You really, we got God on our side. Do you not understand? You got you got money and power. Fame. Do you see AOC's fucking dress? Tax the rich. This bullshit. It's a joke. I mean, how do they not see that? This is like right out of a fucking movie. Let them eat cake. Everybody's wearing a mask. All the servants. Did you see that? Mm. 
Mm-hmm. There's like dude carrying the train of her dress in a mask at the uh, Met Gala Ball, which is a celebration of money and status, fame. <laughs> She's a tax the rich dress. It's 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 like insanity. It's like that they can't see that. Mm-hmm. Or it's or it's so in your face. Like we know we're full of shit and we don't care. We're just gonna do it right in your face. We're just lying to you. We're telling you we're the good ones that we care about the poor people. But we don't. We just wanna go to balls and use the slogans, tax the rich. How about help the poor? How about get rich? Let me show you how to get rich. Let me teach you how to get rich. Let me teach you how to get money. Not tax the rich. You create antagonism. You create an enemy. You make them the victim. The second you say that, do you not see how fucking dark that is? It's dark. Tax the rich, okay, for people listening. It's fucking dark. Because you're now creating a scenario where you have a a perpetrator and a victim. You're telling the people who are poor they are victims of the rich. And we need to fix it. We need to make it right. And then they they can become identified with that. And the only way out of this is to tax those rich people. No. Teach them how to make money. Teach them how to succeed. Change their mindset. Get them out of a poverty mindset. Encourage them. Empower them. Start your own business. You can do it. You can do it. Don't worry about Jeff Bezos. Yeah, the te- rich, of course, the rich get away with all kinds of shit. Who cares? Focus on yourself. Don't focus on them. And I'm not saying that, you know, like I said last time, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't have equitable tax laws, but that, that, is, that that's your orientation. It's a problem. You should not be telling people that they're victims and they should be angry about it. You shouldn't be encouraging resentment. I don't think. I don't know. You should be empowering people. It's not what we do. Somebody comes in, it's like, my mother, my mother. I mean, yeah, you get the expression, fuck your mother. You know, like Jenny, you need that expression. For sure, right? To feel that. But then then you got to feel your despair. And you go all the way in and then you rise out and you stand in your power. And then from that place, everything looks different. You can see that you have options. You can make manifest the glory of God coming through you to get your house. <laughs> Don't you see? You're not saying tax the rich. Why didn't my mom? My mom should give me money to buy a house. <laughs> Fuck yourself. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. I can't believe I talked about AOC. We're going to cut that out. <laughs> Let's get her on the podcast. We'll straighten her out. Right. Maybe she's listening. I hope she's listening. Uh-huh. She should be listening. You fucking dummy. You don't know anything. And for you AOC lovers out there, wake the fuck up, okay? I'm not. I'm not putting up. Do you understand? Turn this. Don't you should not unsubscribe immediately. I don't want you listening. 
because you're stupid and weak. And we want intelligent, powerful people listening to this podcast. All the rest of you can go fuck yourselves. This is for warriors only. Thank you. That's all uh, persuasion, by the way. It's how you build an audience. What did you just do? Well, you you have to uh, create uh, like the good and the bad and the people who are with me and the people who are against me. It's like what Howard Stern did. Hmm. That's what Cernovich does. That's what Trump does. It's like the best strategy to build an, build an audience. I have to talk about the bad people, how stupid they are. So I know, okay, that's, I know that I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I'm, do you know how many steps ahead of you I am? You fucking dummies out there judging me. You think you know shit? Come into my world. I will straighten you the fuck out. Okay? Straighten you out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have something to learn from all of you and all of your criticisms and judgments. I'm, I'm just here to learn. I'm just a student. <laughs> I can go both ways. It's fun, though. Isn't it fun? Try it out, Angela. Just be a, just be a total asshole. It's really a lot of fun. People like it. I guess you haven't fully let go of your arrogance. No, I never will. Why would I? <laughs> it's a good part of me, right? Family systems. Right. Well, well let's, let's go through it. What's my arrogance? What is it? The part of me that's, what do I got to do? I, well, shame, I shame. I don't have that. No, I do have shame about my arrogance. And then it's like the part of me, the, the, the higher self, the capital S self looks at my ar- arrogance and says what? Well, first, you know, so, so you have your arrogance, mm-hmm. the arrogant part of you that says what, 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 what is? I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. I know more than you. You're stupid. You're weak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're. Um. Are you protecting, some part of yourself? Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, well, it's, I'm protecting the place where people don't see my 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 heart. Mm-hmm. And is there something? Do you want to keep doing that? Yeah, for fun. It's fun. Mm. It's fun to scream at AOC. What are you talking about? Of course I want to keep doing that. I'm not giving that up for a fucking second. How much pleasure I get from that? Mm-hmm. I'm not really doing it in my life that much. I mean, it's not, it's not you know, I'm working all day. I'm not, it's not the energy that I'm in. I'm, I'm sincerely in a place of like acceptance and love and compassion and tolerance. I can, I can go to that place and I do. But I almost tweeted this out today, this, this idea of like, I, I can be both at the same time. Like I'm living in the 3D world, so I'm going to be 3D. I'm going to be human. I'm going to ha- let myself have it. Hmm. 
and I'm going to hold myself there. As long as I'm not, I, I think there was a time that I was a slave to my arrogance. I don't think I am. I don't think my, my arrogance gets in the way hmm. of anything anymore, to be honest. It's not running the It's the not show. running the show. No, it just comes out. And, and maybe there's something like that confrontation, confrontational attitude is good. It could provoke something like, fuck you. Let's go. You want to dance? Let's dance. Come into the ring. Let's do this. Like, let's go to war. I want to feel you all the way. What's going on? You know, there's something to it. I mean, fighters have to have arrogance. They're all arrogant. Muhammad Ali was arrogant. You, 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 it, there's, there's a part of it that's good. If, if you, if you're not a slave to it, but yes, there's, there's also the awareness that I'm protecting, but I'm, I'm showing my heart all over the place now. So I'm not, I'm, you know, I feel okay. It's, it's, you know, it's also, you know, it's funny. It's, it's, there's, there's comedy in it. You like this part of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a discharge of a kind of energy, you know? And I'm not, you know, I don't hold on to it. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not sitting there thinking about AOC. I don't give a shit. I'm just rolling my eyes. Okay. But it's fun. I mean, don't don't we all do it? Don't I mean, people mm-hmm. have their own people gossip. Mm-hmm. It's the same yeah. thing. Talk about yeah. other people. Enjoy. That's a kind of arrogance. Oh my God! Can you believe what so and so did? We all do. Do you it. have any? Do you have any shame about this part of yourself? I mean, this is what I'm wrestling with. It's, it's like there's a part of me that feels like I should be above it. I should always be mm. Mr. Neutral. Mm-hmm. Hold it all. I, but that, it's not, I'm not into that. I don't want to do that. It seems boring. War is fun. War is fun. That's why we go to war. It's fun. We're playing it out every Sunday in football games and hockey games. and it, That's what the fucking reality shows are with Real Housewives. It's war. It's conflict. The news. That's what it is. We love it. We love violence. We love it. And I do too. I love it. So no, I'm not giving this up. I, I, yeah, it's fun to fight. I, and I, I, you know, I, I don't, I, yeah, I like it. And I like that. I like it. Hmm. So, and it's necessary. What's the part of you that likes it? What's the part of me that likes it? All the parts. I mean, it's 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 comes right from my pelvis. It's sexy. It's like life force. And I can feel my higher self like laughing. 
again, it, there's been times in my life where the arrogance went deeply was unconscious and what was really protecting this fear of not being enough or shame. But that, I, I don't feel that so much anymore. I'm sure it's still there, but like I said, it's not, it's not running the show. I'm not, I'm not a slave to my arrogance. So it's, I'm going to let myself indulge it once in a while. Feels good. Mm. Everybody should. Everybody does. Right. Fucks out there. Phony, full of fuck. It's like Obama, man. This is what's going. This is why Trump was so fucking awesome. It just, it's all out in the open. He didn't pretend to be anything other than what he actually was. Unlike the rest of these fucking bullshit politicians they're all arrogant they're all selfish and everyone is to a degree Mm -hmm. and it's in the ownership we talk about this all the time it's in the ownership of it that you actually can transcend it you own it you know it this is a part of me you have a little laugh about it and you get on with it. it. Doesn't own you. It's like how comedians work. It's like Bill Burr. He just goes all the way into his darkness, and then he makes fun of himself. But he enjoys it while he's doing it, and he makes it funny, and it's liberating. Everybody's laughing because they relate. <laughs> he gives permission. You know. How long have we been going for? When did we start? The fuck? 3.30. All right, it's enough. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> With Joe Rogan? Three-hour podcast? Right. No. <laughs> fuck that. Got shit to do. I'm hungry. Listen. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Come to our workshop, you motherfuckers. You need it. I'm telling you, you need our help. You need our help. All right, Angela will straighten you out. She's nice. I'm not, but she's very nice. I'm actually very kind. You'll love me. I'm not nice. You're not nice. Yeah, I think <laughs> I'm the nice one now. I don't know. We'll have fun. Thank you, Angela. Thank you, Dave.